McNulty stunning for to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts no, from Bosby. are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, short yes. for Bosby. Smashes it past McCormack. One by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bosby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce. Proud to be Pompey. Hi, Pompey fans, and welcome to Pure Forecast, episode 173. John Massinio, who would have thought that, has been touted now as the next head coach of Portsmouth. John Borgard today is Freddie Wed. How are we, Freddie? Oh, I'm not so bad. Um, yeah, it's completely shocked by the news. Knew absolutely nothing about it like everybody else. And uh, yeah, speechless about it. We're going to go through it, I suppose. We definitely are going to go through it. And there was one man I know in the brewery who did know a lot about Big John, about Moose. So I've got him on the podcast, of course. At Pompey Stats is Joff Taylor. How are you, Joff? I'm all right. Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Yeah, I actually said this four or five weeks ago. I was just reeling off Oxford squad and I thought, you know what? This guy could be our manager when Cowley sacked. No, joking aside, <laughs> good to be back on. Um, yeah, very, very shocking, random. But I guess we'll get on into all of that soon. Yeah, we certainly will, because there's quite a lot to unpack, isn't there, in this appointment? First of all, loads of you guys have messaged in, so we're going to get to that. So I'll give a bit of structure. So first of all, we're going to give our thoughts on the impending appointment, I suppose, of the moose. And then we're going to respond to all your questions and to your messages and just your reactions generally, which are flooded in on Twitter, on Insta. So thanks to everyone who's messaged in, and we're going to try and get to all of those. And then we spoke to David Earl, actor, podcaster, newly formed Exeter City fan, who basically came on the podcast and had a chat with us to preview the game against Exeter. And then we did our score predictions. So we recorded that bit yesterday, for reference, but we had a hunch it would come through. Not really a hunch. We just gambled it a bit like we'll talk about gambling coming on, but we gambled that maybe the announcement would come today. So that luck paid off. Let's hope it pays off for Pompey with their gamble. And we're going to get to you guys now with the reaction on Pompey's new head coach. So let's get over to you, Freddie, quickly. I mean, I only found out, if I'm honest, about half five today because I've been working with clients all day. And whilst usually I'm sort of dotting around, you know, doing a bit of work here and there, uh, I actually was <laughs> flat out working today and saw the news. My initial reaction was, wow. And that was it. Stunned silence. But the appointment's been growing on me a little bit as we go. I think the first thing I thought I thought of was at Forest Green with Rich Hughes. I remember when he appointed Rob Edwards as their head coach. I think Rob Edwards had only been with England under 16s at the time before he took the the head coaching role at Forest Green, got them promoted within his first season. And then now he's doing an absolutely storming job at Luton obviously better than the other manager who's gone off to uh, to the scum which he's doing us a favour as well so 
the first question to you, mate, is that this is actually a model that Rich Hughes has done before, isn't it? And maybe we shouldn't be so surprised. It is, yeah. Um, looking back on it, I think I can sum up my thoughts on the appointment in three words. Brave, bold, and brash. Brave because they've gone for an appointment that's completely left field. Bold because they're looking at the head coach director of football model and they're looking at his coaching record and they backed him. And a bit brash because this appointment it's been clearly done by a club that doesn't care what half of the fan base wants in terms of, you know, wanting an experienced head, an experienced name. They don't care what the reaction from those fans are. They've picked their guy by the sounds of it, and they've gone with it. The arguments I've seen about him being just the cheap appointment, I think are nonsense. I think it's been said by Neil Allen and Andy Moon that Ian Foster and Liam Manning were both went deep in the interview stages so they were considered it just seems like John Bassino is their man and I'm shocked by it and I'm intrigued because it's it seems like an appointment that can go one or two ways it could either go incredibly well because we've unearthed a gem or it could completely blow up in the club's face and there's not going to be a lot of patience if it starts to go down the latter route I don't think it's definitely a bit of a brave appointment, isn't it, Joff? It's one of those things where we didn't see it come in. The bookies are raking in every single pound that people placed on any other candidate. They are absolutely loving this. I'm sure they're just sort of, I mean, it's probably minute money to them, but they must be loving life. But what are your thoughts really on this appointment? And now it's, you've had a little bit of time for it to sink in. Yeah, well, I'm actually gutted because I put 50 quid on Mick McCarthy, but obviously that's not not gone too well. Um, I mean, but- <laughs> Not a big shame. Um, yeah, it's it's rogue, isn't it? It's I did not see it coming at all. Not listed in the names um, on the bookers at all. I don't think his name ever popped up. Um, but yeah, from what Fred said, you know, he's made it past Manning and Foster in this interview stage. And based on how well he's interviewed, he's got it. Jordan Cross of the news did allude to the fact that he may be a cheaper option in a tweet today. Um but aside from that, you know, he's got his coaching badges. He's head of the PFA. He's well respected. So, I mean, we're all going to back him. Hopefully, I am. But you know, he's ex- inexperienced. It's, it is rogue. You got to back him. Anyone who's going to start off by not backing him, I think, is is just we can't deal with any more negativity. Come on, no. we've got to pick up. You know, if you're going to games regularly. And you're not going to back him from the start. At least give him a good a good go. Then yeah, exactly. Yeah, you've got to you've got to back anyone. You know, give them a chance. And if they're great, you go with it. And if they're not, well, you've got to start asking questions. But you know, it's having never coached first team, um, kind of on his own before. You know, he's been player coach at Oxford for a bit. But you know, it's his first, I guess, grown up proper gig. We'll see how he goes. I guess there is one interesting thing to point out when Danny Cowley was sacked, the reasoning behind it was that they immediately wanted promotion. So they went for the best possible candidates to go through that. This doesn't seem like a short-term appointment to me. This seems like a long-term appointment looking to the summer to rebuild this squad with Richard Hughes as a full transfer window as director of football. 
so I can see by some people looking at that that they would think that the answers apply to them from that way by by saying oh we want promotion we're going to go for the best possible candidate short term when they I think are looking for a long term candidate potentially with the Bassino coming in that's a bit of devil's advocate there but really what would you have wanted would you have wanted to do what Blackpool did and appointed Mick McCarthy in two days no <laughs> but I think the thing that it did surprise me is that other candidates were interviewed with more experience such as Foster and Manning and the senior has seemed to beat up both of them I think McCarthy's one of those managers really isn't it you get in to try and keep the team up that, that, that's what Blackpool have done. They've decided they're going to get in that experienced hand, you know, the sort of the Warnock appointment. He's not the kind of person you build, a, in my opinion, a promotion team around. Yeah, he's part of that old school group of managers, you'd say, like Allardyce and Alan Pardew. I mean, you could flip on its head and say, you know, it's a 21st century social media style appointment, the amount of memes and gags they'll get from the whole careless whisper thing, you know? Could be genius, but yeah, he's part of that appoint them, get them to stay up thing. So yeah, it's a it's taken a bit of time, but hopefully we've got the right guy for the job. I've seen he's been in charge of their set plays, and a friend of the show, George Ellick, pointed me in the direction of the video he did with Ali Ali Maxwell, and it was quite interesting to see that he's been on he's been on set plays effectively. Now Pompey are rubbish at them, let's be honest, aren't we? Um, maybe he can find somebody who can take a good corner and hopefully our tactic is not going to be put the ball as far as possible, Freddie, into the corner and he's literally the don of the long throw, which would really, really, really be good for you, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I-, I would recommend fans give the Not The Top 20 video a watch uh, about Bassino. It was very interesting. They both... George Eric has proper insight, um, being as close as Oxford United as he is. They described him as intelligent and articulate and well-liked wherever he's been. They deemed him as a leader and someone who reams, reads the game very well and wants to implement a progressive and attacking style of football. I mean, for all the stuff, <laughs> for all the uh, the insults we throw at Carl Robinson, that's what Carl Robinson likes. He likes a controlling, possession-based attacking style of football. And their argument seemed to stem from it is a medium to long-term appointment with Hughes, which we've mentioned earlier. And the argument is really on the other side is, is the situation at the club that poor with the players on the pitch being devoid of confidence and or not as good as we think they are, depending on what your opinion is. And also certain extents of the fan base disliking pretty much everything that the owners are doing for various reasons. Because on the pitch, we've gone backwards since we got Brotus to League One. It's quite obvious on the pitch anyway, in regards to other things. Is I'm going to throw this, guys, at you. Is, is this job too big? Not to be disparaging, but is it the wrong job for the seniors to jump into straight away anyway? That's a difficult one to quantify, isn't it? Because you don't really know very much about the bloke. You know what I was thinking about when we had this podcast in this moment right now, when we announced our head coach, you know, I did a bit of background research, obviously, on all the different candidates who've been through it. I I have my notepad ready with things to say. And now we're doing this episode. It's not quite, none of that research counts for anything, does it? Let's be honest. And there's no, 
There's no history to look back on. There's no registered style of play to look back on. So let's have a quick look at the fact that obviously he's head of the PFA. I'll be interested to see if he decides to carry on that position by being player, player head coach. That would be very pompy to bring in someone to be player head coach. I assume he steps down, but I don't know. He can do whatever he wants. Obviously, he's quite a liked guy. Maybe they just think that they need to bring in someone who can relate to the players and all that kind of thing. But I sort of thought that Cowley was on that level. And some people thought we needed a bit of a contrast in, in that sense. But I'm just going to see, do you guys want to do anything else now? Or should I just move on to what everyone else says? Because you've got so much to to get through with, with comments that have come in. <clears throat> there are a couple of bits and bobs that I found. Go on, Fred. Um, one line in one of the reports that, was, that I found quite funny, uh, Simon Bassey had no idea about the club's interest in Massinho at all. I found that quite amusing. They kept it very tight-lipped. And um, Liam Rice from the Oxford Mail spoke to Jordan Cross in one of the pieces today, basically saying that Massinho wanted to get into management for October and he was, and that he was primed for a managerial appointment. Um And he doesn't go for cliches, gags, set phrases in press conferences. He's very articulate and well-mannered by the sounds of it. Um, and at Oxford, he's pretty much been considered the coach rather than a player. Uh, in the pecking order, he's still behind Leon Blackmore Such and Craig Shorter, obviously the coaches under Carl Robinson, but he is still considered highly regarded in that coaching setup. So it's not it's not as if he's Carl Robinson's second in command of a side that is well, by George Ellick's admission, having a disappointing season. And he's not just put on set pieces um, for coaching. He dabbles in pretty much everything. So he's not too specialised in that regard. And that's really about it. That's, that's, I think that's basically everything. We we've, we know, really, that is how risky of an appointment it is. And I think the only thing to think about is how much patience from the fans, I'm thinking, is he actually going to get? Because I think from the board, he's going to get pretty much the same amount of time as Cowley, I think, unless things go completely wrong, which, I mean, it could happen. We, we have no idea, do we? But I don't see some fans taking to it at all, to be honest. Just on a, a rather sad note before we get into the chaos, which is discussing Pompey's new head coach appointment, former Pompey player Anton Walks has sadly passed away after being in a boating accident in Florida at 25 years old, very much liked at the, at the club and obviously just a genuinely good human being. Did a lot of good stuff in America, went there, ended up captain, captaining Atlanta. Uh, and then went off to Charlotte. He was drafted at the top of the draft, I believe, like second or third or something like that in the draft in, in the MLS and made a really, really big career for himself there. So I'm guessing there's a lot of people in the States as well that will share the city of Portsmouth's feelings about Anton Walks passing away. We're all devastated. It's actually the first interview I wrote, actually. I, I interviewed on a blog before we even started the Pompey News Now. It's where I did an interview about him um, for an American site who wanted to know about him as a player. So he's always a player that I followed his career path as well in the States. Really liked him at Portsmouth. And that all that commentary aside, just from the human side of it, what a sad way and a sad thing for the people around him and his family. And we hope that, yeah, we just wish them all, all the best that they can, I suppose, in this really sad time. 
let's get into it then thanks to everyone who messaged in really appreciate it especially on this short notice and um, it's been a cauldron of responses of people from all different points of view which is great that's what makes a fan base and that's what makes a good podcast so let's get stuck into it john patterson messages in and he says a complete unknown i'd love to know the thinking behind this appointment was hoping for richardson then manning would have been happy with foster too but not Messino. does he even have a coaching badge well i can answer that yeah he does he's got his uefa is it a coaching badge is uefa pro it's on the yeah. same level as the cowboys for reference yeah. So there we go. He does have his coaching badges, John. The thinking behind it is, and I, I think we obviously don't know that, but you could see the structure of what they want to do with bringing in a head coach to work with Rich Hughes. Again, it's a similar a similar model. I said with bringing in Rob Edwards before. Uh, that's turned out very well. And I think if it turns out that well, hopefully not well enough that we lose our manager after one year to the championship. But if it works out like as well as it did there, Rob Edwards then I'd be pretty, pretty happy with it. So only time will tell to be honest, John, but yes, he does have his coaching badges. Sean meshes in and says, happy, not overly, intrigued. 100%, it's a gamble. Of course, it's putting your life savings on zero on a roulette table. <laughs> Freddie, you love a casino reference, don't you, you degenerate gambler? So uh, you can take that. I, I did enjoy that. I haven't, I haven't partaken in roulette and blackjack for quite a while now, but... Yeah, it's a re- it's a reasonable sub up. It's a it's a very it's a very high variance move, isn't it? Rob meshes in and he says that's my response. He's got his ten quid on uh, Pompey to get relegated at eighty to one. He's rubbing his yeah. hands together, the cynical bastard. Yeah, but he always bets on Pompey to lose, so it doesn't really mean a lot. Yeah, it means nothing. Your opinion, Rob. That's right. I said on the podcast. <laughs> Dave Harley messaged in and he says always rated Messino as a player. And hearing good things about him from Oxford fans. Informed people shows that this could be a shrewd appointment. Any manager we appoint is a risk. And none of the ones we've heard is a guarantee for success. Time to back this appointment. Joff, it is time to back this appointment, isn't it? Get behind the new manager and just see what's what. Yeah, you have to back it. I said it earlier. You know, you go out there, you give him every chance. And if he doesn't perform, then you start asking questions. But... There's no re- reason why he shouldn't be able to get a tune out of these players. You know, people have criticised the squad for you know not being good enough or whatever. You know, they are good enough. You've seen in the first, you know, first five, six, seven games of this season when we we're high flying, we're playing some great football. Unfortunately, Cowley couldn't get a tune out of them towards the end of his tenure, but you know, maybe Massinho can. Um, yeah, I, I was just looking at Carl Robinson's kind of preferred formations and stuff because I guess he'll be part of the same you know cut from the same cloth if you will and he tends very much towards a 4-3-3 or a 3-4-1-2 so kind of always having three people three men in the middle of the park which is you know a thing that a lot of people have been calling for um and when we've got a fully fit squad people will um we've got the players for it so hopefully yeah when he when his first game in charge comes i don't think it will be extra at the weekend but What's the next fixture after that? Fleetwood. Hopefully we'll get to see some of that. Um, but yeah, you've got to back him. And anyone who doesn't, just get a hobby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chris might mention in. He says, we'll back, we'll back him no matter what. It's a risk, of course it is. But who's to say it won't work out? More disappointed slash annoyed how long it's taken. I mean, I'd be interested to know if he had a the initial interviews earlier on and went through to the next stage 
it seems like we approached Oxford. I think did Neil Allen say Wednesday, Fred, for your esteemed leader? Um, leader. <laughs> <laughs> I barely speak to the bloke. <laughs> few days ago off the top of my head but i'd have to look, look that up again just in case. yeah I, I think it was i think approached oxford yesterday but there's no reason why we haven't been chatting to him for longer you know people go for job interviews not behind their employers backs but if you want a new job you go for an interview you book a day of annual leave you do it and then if you get the job you hand in your notice and, you know it's a bit different in football but i can imagine you know if we approach oxford yesterday we'd have been talking to him for longer well, hopefully, anyway. If not, it might might be cause for concern. <laughs> Game and Greg messages in, and he says, "Looks like a decent guy from the interviews and videos. We have to all get behind him and let him show us what he can do to this team." Do you know one thing I'm I'm thinking about, and it, it comes down to get behind him. The fans get behind him, but I'll be interested to see now if this is the time where we start seeing some transfer activity. Trying to put my little positive hat on here. Has Rich Hughes lined up this list of players where he knows we need to add strength? And then with a new coach coming in, does he then start to go through that list with him and start putting the trigger on some transfers? I'd say potentially. I mean, a little tidbit that got missed by a lot of people, I thought, because of the managerial stuff. Andy Moon tweeted that Pompey are keen to add a goalkeeper before the midday deadline tomorrow for registering. And that is looking at loan and permanent options. So I don't think recruitment has been completely binned off while we've been going through the managerial setup. I think it would be it would be a lack of foresight if they definitely did, but it doesn't seem like it. So I think it'll probably be a case of Richard Hughes has got some names together and he'll probably go through it with Bassino when he if and when he comes in. Dazzler mentioned in, he says, he's not going to be anyone's first choice. And I was fuming when the news first broke. I'm okay with it now. As long as he implements a brand of football we can enjoy, he'll be all right for me. He needs to be back though, will he? I doubt it. Well, I think we just spoke about that now. Hopefully he's back to bit. Do you see, Joff, that we're going to start maybe getting in what I'm going to call some essentials to try and stabilise the team this year? Because let's be honest, we're not looking like we're going to be playoff contenders. And then in the summer, they go again with a full rebuild. Yeah, you'd like to think that Hughes has been doing, as well as kind of due diligence on managers, been looking to sign, um, putting scouting reports together for uh, playing stuff. You know, you guys chatted about it, Fred and Gabe Sutton, a couple of weeks ago, that right centre-back and goalkeeper and left midfielder are... I guess, top priorities. Um, there's a guy who tweeted about a League of Ireland defender um, that Massinho is keen to sign, make his first signing. So hopefully that's a ball-playing, right-footed centre-back. Um, his young, high sell-on-value kind of matches the model of what we're going for. But yeah, we need to we need to reinforce with Morrison going to Cambridge, potentially, apparently. We definitely need backup there. Um, so yeah, hopefully hopefully things have been going on as well as the managerial hunt. Let's not slander Morrison. I think he said it's not happening right at this moment in time. <laughs> well, <laughs> which, is always, which is always the damning thing to say, isn't it? Yeah, right at this time. I, I think could Joff be, Watson could be 48 hours. <laughs> what did you say, Fred? I think Joff Watson's going to Cambridge, <laughs> to be honest. Could go to Oxford. Might just be a fan of ancient university cities. Could be a trade deal, but... 
a trade deal. One, one for one. Yeah, exactly. That's what I we're mean, negotiating Masinio, right now. Massinho could become player coach, he said earlier, keep his thing, uh, keep his role in the PFA, um, do a job as our penalty taker. But yeah, we need to reinforce at right centre-back, as we've said before, as, as our top priority, I'd say. Jeff messaged in and he says, massive roll of the dice. It's Cullen and Hughes staking their Pompey careers. I'm quietly optimistic because I like the fact that no team in this league knows how we'll set up and play. No one can second guess us yet. Still, either a huge win or a huge flop. Only time will tell. Yep, massive roll of the dice. But Fred, do you reckon it is Hughes and Cullen staking their, their careers on it? Considering, let's be honest, how patient is the word I'm going to try and use here. The ownership are about appointing and firing people generally. I think with the fans, it'll be it'll be stick or twist for them. To be honest, for for most people, um, purely because of how risky this is. And like I said earlier, it doesn't screen to me like an appointment to go all out to get in the playoffs this season. It looks like an appointment to rebuild from zero again. And for a board to do that, you are asking a lot with the club going, if we don't get promoted this season, going into a seventh consecutive season in League One, which is a record. It's a lot to ask. And I think for a lot of people, Colin Hughes will be tainted if this goes wrong. And a lot of people see the lack of communication from the club in some areas directly being down to Andy Cullen, rightly or wrongly. I mean, we don't have the monthly Q&As anymore, do we? When was the last time we, we saw one of those? So, yeah, I think from the fans' point of view, it will be, you know, their, their Pompey careers staked on it. I doubt the board will see it that way. I think it depends. <laughs> Thinking cynically, if it goes badly, how badly does it go? I, th- I think that's how you'd have to look at it. But, but I hope it doesn't. I really hope it doesn't anyway. Tim Footmeshton, he says, well, it's left field. So far left field, that's either genius or insanity. Unfortunately, the fan base has worked up into a bit of a frenzy right now. And this new team will need a little time before the boos start up again. I hope they're given a chance. Joff, do you reckon the fan base will at least rally behind and try and give some positivity for the new manager, at least at the start? Because we are on a absolutely rubbish run at this moment in time. So things can't really get much worse can they yeah unless we concede minute two to Exeter and things go really pear-shaped I mean it can't get much worse but yeah we'll back him I mean you have to you you can't not you know you give him every chance hopefully he brings an exciting brand of football and get some early wins um, make some exciting signings with you know the small amount we've got left in the transfer window um, but yeah, we've got to back him. And yeah, I fully trust as Pompey fans that we will. Kevin messages in and he says, feel for the guy who comes in into a fire that won't go out easy. The club's more disconnected from the fan base than I've ever seen for a long time. And it seems to not care. Let's hope that people just move on now. I think sometimes the the unknown is the most irritating thing. And not having a manager in place, not having a plan, all this sort of thing, sort of a cauldron of like ill feeling and the team playing badly on the pitch. Let's hope that a change is the catalyst, I suppose, for some positivity. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, for the last few games, after after Cowley was sacked, the performances didn't really get any better apart from Spurs. Fans have had nothing to hold on to with no clear style of play, no clear starting eleven, no clear direction. At least we can see what they're trying to do now, I think. They're looking to go long-term again, I believe, at any rate. And then it just comes down to your personal opinion, whether it's the, whether it's the good idea or not. And um, we'll only tell when, at least by the end of January, when a few signings come in, if we strengthen in the correct areas to at least, at, at the very minimum, stabilise the season. I do. I like Messerschmitt. They said if he comes in and does a good job, then it would be a very good appointment. I suppose that's a given. He's he's in hiding to nothing. We could appoint a top manager like Ancelotti, and the fans would complain that he's got no experience of getting out of League One. No matter who we appoint, success isn't guaranteed. I, I suppose apart from Ancelotti, I'll, I'll go back to the people who really wanted Wilder in, who I thought wasn't really the right fit for the club, and just obviously being a, quite an ambitious manager. And even if he did come here, would probably even if say he took us the seventh in the league from where we were and just missed out or we squeaked a playoff place and someone comes calling from in the summer and he's gone. And then all the sort of board issues of that. I think it's fair to say that those fans who wanted this sort of big name appointment are going to be a bit, bit disappointed by this. But at the same time, sometimes having that big name appointment can sort of cause more problems than, than it, than it solves. Andy messes in and he says, not our Andy, by the way, he's uh, he's out on top secret business. Just feels like this is the cheapest option, which is no disrespect to him. Research Manning and he had a good playing philosophy. Ian Foster knows the club and is currently in the FA setup, so knows how good talent within the national system. We'll fully back him, though. Joff, do you reckon this is just a cheap appointment and the board have taken this long to appoint the cheapest option possible? I wouldn't say that without actually knowing anything. If he's interviewed better than Manning and Foster, great. If he's been chosen due to the fact that he's happy with our transfer budget and that his wage will be less than those two, I guess, then I guess you could say it's a cheap appointment, but we don't know that, so I, I don't really want to speculate the, the one thing that does concern me is that there is no defined style of play Manning you knew what Manning was about you kind of could get what Foster was on about Jack Hancock on Twitter did some great threads on it unfortunately it was all kind of for nothing well for Portsmouth it's pointless speculating at this time unless he comes out and says I'm cheap but he won't imagine <laughs> George Slatcher messaged in he says McKenna third Ipswich Schumacher first Plymouth Liam, Wigan, promoted. Lowe, Berry promoted. Top two with Plymouth. Martin, amazing with MK Dons. Manning, third MK Dons. Critchley, Blackpool promoted. Tons of success with rookie managers. Let's not write him off. Looking forward to the pod. Cheers, George. There is a good list there, isn't there, of managers who have had a lot of success being a sort of a rookie manager. And sometimes I think we got all caught up in all these names and all the bookies and all this expectation for who we're going to appoint that maybe nowadays with football, a lot of these sort of younger managers who can maybe relate to the players more and relate to modern sort of football and that kind of thing is actually the way that, that things are going now, rather than being this sort of 
hard-nosed coach who shouts at people quite a lot and tries to motivate them through that kind of thing. When we look at people, though, I suppose McKenna, obviously, was at United. Schumacher, he's obviously doing very well at Plymouth, but he was also sort of there before, wasn't he, as the assistant manager as well. Look, it's a exciting appointment, isn't it? We're all just a little bit shocked, I think, right now. But hopefully when he comes in, does a press conference, the dust settles, and we see a few appointments come in, not appointments, signings come in, we can all sort of understand the plan. And maybe he can actually help us outline the plan of where we're going. Yeah, you point out the differences <clears throat> with Schumacher and McKenna quite well. I think fans would see that those qualities that they have are some sort of safety net. Schumacher being system manager at Plymouth and being around the club and knowing the players and Kieran McKenna having a pedigree at, well, one of the biggest clubs in the world. Mourinho doesn't have that. So it's, it's, so it's even riskier, you could argue, than those two appointments. And that's why I think some fans are a bit, <clears throat> they don't know where to hand their hat on, really. But yeah, we'll see, I suppose. We'll, we'll, we'll have to see. We've got no other options, have we? Just want to jump in there and say, yeah, I echo what you're saying, Fred, and the fact that McKenna's got, well, we all know how much money Ipswich like to spend, and Plymouth have a really good, it's not it's, you know, it's not as well publicised to say Brighton or Brentford, but they've got a really good kind of data model there. There's a, there's a podcast uh, with The Athletic, Mark Chapman, and the Plymouth owner going, basically saying what they do and why they do it, and, you know, they're well-backed. So, yeah, there's the differences are there, um, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully he's back. I've just seen Spurs go two nil up. Yeah, it, it seems like there's not that infrastructure there to help Messino as well, because even though at, right at the end of the summer we all looked at the improvements and went, yeah, that's solid. Now looking at it from January, we think it was quite a fifty-fifty summer with some appointments, uh, some players coming in doing really well, some of them just. Our oh, right flopping, no in between really. So there's no embedded long history of successful transfer windows back to back, and there's not the the safety net of having, well, the largest budget in the division probably. So yeah, that's another reason. That's that's another thing to, that makes this this job harder for Massinho, and it makes just the role incredibly difficult, really. Wes Nightmesh is in he says, it shows the eyes that's not interested to me. However, I wish the new fellow, John Massinio, all the luck in the world because he's going to need it. Do you think there's a portion of the fan base, Joff, that are just going to say this is not, no ambition here. This just shows, it sort of backs up the point about how they feel about the ownership and sort of compounds that point? Yeah, definitely. I think people will, yeah, people are always going to say, ah, oh, if we didn't get Wilder, if we didn't get Liam Richardson, then the Eisners aren't doing their job. I mean, I don't know what the circumstances were. I don't know if they were contacted. don't know if they ruled themselves out or whatever. But you know, uh, For context, Richardson ruled himself out due to the compensation thing with Wigan. Uh, yeah, of course. That and, was reported because, well, he was <clears throat> he signed that new three-ish year deal, sacked, mm. and they are literally still working out the full compensation on that. So Yeah. Where Richardson ruled himself out openly in the media as well. And yeah, Hugh mentioned about Wilder not kind of being 
the fit we're looking for, you know, he didn't work well with the director of football at Middlesbrough. Um, so, yeah, I guess, you know, as I said earlier, it's pointless to speculate, but it, you know, if it, it turns out he's the cheap option, cool. If he does well, I don't really care. We'll see, wait and see how he does, and then we can kind of judge him in the appointment. But, um, yeah, hopefully he's interviewed better than the other two and will do really well with us. Gator Michigan and he says, horrendous appointment, massive gamble at this point in the season where we can't afford to gamble. Don't see the logic at all. Safe pair of hands as needed. I'd take Kenny back over him. Remember that Kenny was seventh in the league and finished playoff twice and we binned him off. Gator, I love you, mate, but uh, I cannot agree with the fact of bringing Kenny Jackie back. <laughs> I-, I would literally rather gamble on, I mean, there's a whole host of anybody on there before bringing Kenny Jacket back as manager. I don't know if you boys want to jump in, but otherwise I'm just going to skip on to to the next comment. Zach Mechstein and he says, pissed off to be honest, Hugh. I'm all for giving people a chance with the current form and the direction of the table we're heading. Give the job to somebody who's got less managerial experience than the Cowleys, than, sorry, experience than Danny Cowley's little toe. When there are managers openly interested with the experience, getting teams out of this league is an insult. Seriously, starting to think the back room are scummers in disguise. I would love to know your first thought summed up in one word. Right, let's go for it. Joff, what's your first, what's your thoughts summed up in one word? I said the word earlier. I'll say it again. Rogue. Ooh, I like that. Got brash. Mine, literally, my first reaction was just, wow. <laughs> and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Finley Meshton, he says, was he our first choice? Or did we get rejected by other candidates? Very strange, strange selection, and one rightly to cause concern within the fan base. That said, you hope after such a lengthy recruitment process, they've picked the right candidate. It's got to be in Rich Hughes, we trust, isn't it, right now? It's back when he's board director. <laughs> Only time will tell if it's the right appointment, let's be honest. And because he's such an unknown, we just don't know at this stage, but it's a risk. Let's see if yeah, it pays uh, off. And another thing we don't know is we don't know who rejected the club interview. We have no idea who rejected them on approach either. So just to assume that people that people rejected before, before Senior got there without any evidence whatsoever, it's a bit strange, isn't it? Yeah, of course. It is one of those things, isn't it, where people sometimes, I mean, there are people who have decided that this is going to be the end of the road for them, as we say, and, and they're not gonna they're not going to come back. John messes in and says, Cullen out, call this bloke a coach. Well, he's got a coach, he's got his badges there, John. Well, you've got to support your fellow John there. Steve Bay messes in and he says, No doubt he comes cheap. No idea. I don't know how much money he's cost. Again, I don't know if that even comes out in the books, does it? It might come out as a, a thing they spend on staff and coach. I think that was released before in our financials, wasn't it? But not individual finances. Yeah, you won't be able to tell that for a couple of years. Because yeah. the next set, the next set of accounts will come out will be last year's. Yeah, yeah. So you're gonna have to wait for two ages. years just to find that out, which would be hilarious. Tristan messes in. He says, "Lazy appointment, cheap option, shocking from the board." Paul messes in and says, "No." Hugh and Cullen get this wrong; they'll be hung on the Spinnaker Tower. 
John messaged in and says, bit unfair on Hugh Bunce. Yeah, fair enough. I always knew his time was going to come, but I don't want to be hung up in the Spinnaker Tower. I, I suppose it's a pompy way to go, isn't it, for me? If that happens. So it's a pompy way to end my life, but hope it doesn't come to that. Mark Chapman messaged in, absolutely shocking if this is true. I think it is true, unfortunately, for you, Mark. But um, <laughs> we'll see. Tom Jeffries messaged in, people can complain about him being the cheap option. And while I'm sure it's less than Wilder, we don't know what others wanted or even were offered. Nothing we can do about it now. More worried about the stagnant recruiting and whether the management hunt will be used as an excuse. If it is used as an excuse, we're going to be fucking pissed off, aren't we? Then, you know, for all the positivity we're trying to say about the managerial appointment, if the club go, well, we didn't really have much time because it took us so long to make a coach, that's just poor management, for sure. I don't think there's anything that can that, that can take that away. There's no way of positively spinning that, is there, Fred? No, absolutely not. If, um, if for example, January recruitment is basically either halted or bungled because they spent all that time being meticulous or slow with the managerial selection, depending on what, what how you think, then they're not looking for a promotion, are they? <laughs> Which they said at the beginning when they sat Cowley after one win in 14 league games or 13 league games or whatever it was. That is going to set the fans off and understandably and I'm not surprised because the key the key poor thing which riles up fans at the moment is this this team has gone backwards on the pitch for various reasons and we don't have many player assets to sell onto other clubs either so we don't really have a lot so we don't we don't have a a youth prospect who's cut broken to the side and other clubs are sniffing around for either it's the cupboards are pretty bare on that front so that's the cause of concern, and that is where the anger from a lot of supporters is coming from. So yeah, they, they have to back. If they are going for a brave point in Messina, they have to back him in January. They have to. They can't just hang him out to dry like that. That's unfair on any coach, let alone a coach who's going into his first job. Joff, what would you see as backing him sufficiently? What would be for you the minimum which would quantify the board actually backing him? Um, that's a good question. Not, I think, if this guy, if this Irish scout guy on Twitter is to be believed, then he's already got a target lined up I, from the League of Ireland. You know, they're not going to cost that much. Rowan Curtis was, what, 65k? I think, maybe 85, who it, knows? I believe it's around 100 in the around end. Around 100k. That's, well, considering the money we got from the Spurs game, Morel going to the World Cup, then you know I don't see a player from the League of Ireland costing a lot more than that. So I say go out and get them. You know, they've appointed him for a reason. You know, back him, show faith in him, and I think, you know, you know any not any target he wants because you're not going to go out and do an Ipswich, are you? But you know, if he's lined up some targets with Rich Hughes that are within, you know, within reasonable budget, then that's what I'd consider kind of him being backed as well as, as well as coaching staff. It's important that he gets the coaching staff that he wants, whether that's getting rid of the whole, whole team that we had under the Cowleys. So bit, but I think, you know, your first managerial job, especially so young and coming from, you know, being a player that, you need a good team around you. And if he's got an idea of who he wants to bring in, then bring him in. I think he's going to get an experienced number two to come in. 
Who knows? Um, yeah, we have no idea, do we? No. I I don't have any names that spring to mind, but you'd think that someone who's at least managed or been been an assistant manager for a fair yeah, would come in as the number two and goalkeeping coach as well, maybe. New physios, medical staff, who knows? But I think that would be very much a step in the right direction. John English messaged and he says, lads, it feels a bit underwhelming. But who knows? When Feyenoord signed their trainer, I wasn't too sure as well. Arnie Slot, the manager, is doing really well, just like in Ipswich and Plymouth. Let's hope for the best and get behind the guy. That's what we can do right now. I agree, John. And even that underwhelming feeling at the start was pretty much my reaction as well. I could change that wow to underwhelming, I suppose. But as it goes on, it seems to be feeling a little bit better as time heals things. But PFC Josh Meshton, he says, this isn't the fault. This isn't his fault by any means, but we're doomed. Relegation, well and truly plausible now. If he doesn't hit the ground running, just need some players in. Just quickly, Joff, I actually did some work scouting Ireland when we looked to do our our podcast episode and there wasn't any obvious options out there in a sort of Owen Tool way. You know, he went to Bolton and, you know, the last season when I did the podcast with Fred and Gabe, I actually you know gave a couple of options of Irish players I thought we could sign. I was sort of told that a lot of them were locked up on longer term contracts because people like Bolton were poaching these Irish players. So they've been signed up and locked up. So it'll be quite interesting that I'm not sure some of those players are necessarily going to be as cheap as maybe a Ronan Curtis was that we were talking about. Yeah, I think, I mean, now that now that Brexit's in play, um, we're not going to be able to sign. I mean, it's not as if we did, but Rasmus Nikolaisen was a player from the EU that under the current rules, we wouldn't have been able to sign. So, and with uh, whatever deal we've got with Ireland, we can sign Irish players. So it is definitely a worthwhile place to be scouting. But yeah, I mean, I chucked out our name on Twitter, Tom Gravosti. He's young, right-footed centre-back. Fits our model. Great. It could be any number of people. I've got it back. I was going to say Mourinho, Massinho, Martinio. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> the special one. I'm sure there'll be lots of jokes about that if it actually happens. Um, we'll probably end up playing, getting somebody else uh, like Michael Duffy in, who used to play for uh, play for Celtic and back in the day, and Dundalk. But we'll see what happens. But we'll try and find out a bit more information as that goes on with the Irish saga, if that is you know believed to be true. Um, all right, let's go to a couple more before we round this podcast off because I'm aware we've got it's going to be quite a quite a lengthy episode. The time that we add in all the other stuff that we've done on the podcast as well this week. Scott messaged in and says, is this an appointment that fits in with the director of football? Or is this an appointment that fits in with the financial restrictions? We don't know. We don't know, Scott. We'll have to see what happens there. But it's bold, underwhelming, a risky appointment that doesn't fit with the club's current needs. The question is tailored to how the club is thinking. It's hard to know. They've not really said anything, have they? They've kept it in this little small group of them that meet up in a dark a dark room and have have conversations about what's happening with the door locked. It seems like that's the that's the way it's happened in this sense. And Freddie touched on earlier on that Bassi didn't even know anything about this. So when you're the guy who's running the the first team doesn't know anything about it, you can just show how much of a small group of people I suppose were involved in decision making and that information is not really going to be leaked out, is it? So it's a question that's really difficult to answer. And it links back to the summer as well, that communication thing, because 
The last time a name leaked out, they wanted Richard Hughes in the summer. It leaked to Forest Green before Portsmouth <clears throat> went to Forest Green, according to the guys in the news anyway. And that was the main reason why that process was delayed. Because while Portsmouth didn't put in a proper offer and then Forest Green complained that it was um, against legal practice. The club got their man eventually, but that just goes to show what can happen if important processes leak out in the way that they do. Ryan meshes in, he says, very weird appointment on the face of it and doesn't exactly scream, let's get back into the championship, as Freddie touched on earlier on. This would either be an absolute master stroke of an appointment, like McKenna at Ipswich, or an utter disaster. There'll be no in-between. Regardless, it's important we all get behind him and the boys to get our season back on track. Hashtag the special John is is that's the best one I've seen so far. Are we gonna are we gonna go with the special John? Yeah, I think Chris Lewis said that first. Oh, uh, go with it. Name of the podcast, surely. The special John. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. We'll see. Although we're going to get ripped into on Twitter, Fred, if we use someone else's thing again. Like when we accidentally got a name of the podcast that linked in with another podcast and all hell broke loose on Twitter. So we'll have to see how that goes in case someone really gets a bit sensitive. Though? Do we really Anchorman. care that much? We did an Anchorman style podcast fight. Yeah, that's it. News team, assemble! Pod team, assemble! I, I, I don't know if I'm the Ron Burgundy of the podcast, but I reckon I could get a good a good fake moustache on and go with it. What do you reckon? <laughs> Sounds good. Sat over a five side at Roco. <laughs> this is the kind of content people tune in for. Josh Coles messages in, not a bad blood towards him at all. Hope the gamble pays off and we'll get my backing. But quite simply, it's not what the club need right now. It's too big of a risk to take. I hope I'm wrong, but I can't see the squad taking this appointment seriously. Do we, do we feel that it's the wrong appointment at this time? I think that's one of the questions that people have put out there, considering our form... Considering we're seven points, I think it is above, you know, re the you know the relegation zone. Is this just a, a team that, or maybe a front office is out of touch, Joff, or is it one that is maybe confident that can be turned around? I kind of disagree. Where they say the wrong appointment. I mean, we need a manager. So, I mean, yeah. Without, I mean, without being blunt, I think it's the right kind of appointment. Fits everything we we've kind of said as a club that we want someone who can work under director of football, um, young, progressive, all that stuff. Only time will tell. You know, it's pointless judging him now. You know, 10 games in, well, the, the old Cowley judged me after three transfer windows. Will he see three transfer windows? Who knows? But, you know, give him to the end of the season and see how he goes. If he, you know, propels us up the table and we, by some chance, make, make playoffs or, you know, finish in and around that conversation, great. But if, you know, if it's disastrous, then it is the wrong appointment. But we, we have no way of standing, do we? My only concern is that there were better candidates on the table. I think with Liam Manley, you could at least, at least look at a partial body of work, getting MP on to that level. And with Ian Foster, you could look at a body of work at, with England and success as well. And that might lead to the squad getting together quicker under those two than under Bassino. That's purely my opinion, purely looking at CVs. I am, I can't lie and say I'm not concerned about the appointment. I am because it could go 
completely wrong and blow up in the in the board's face. It could do. It, re it really could do. Or it could go really well. It, it, it's a wild card, isn't it? Absolute wild card. And the soap opera, which is Portsmouth Football Club, just keeps pulling out those gems. <laughs> you know, everyone out there, you know, lower your blood pressure a second and just think how boring it would be to support a team like Accrington Stanley that finish in the middle of the league every year. And just think about the up and down roller coaster, which is Portsmouth FC, and just suck in some of that beauty. At least their owner's vocal on Twitter. He does say oh, it out, doesn't he? <laughs> Imagine if we had an all-or-nothing documentary on Portsmouth, like they did with Arsenal and the Toronto Maple Leafs, and then the Sunderland documentary. Imagine, <laughs> imagine this. Imagine every Pompey fan glued to their screens, watching the process of bringing in John Bassino all the summer, <laughs> just losing their minds. That would be quite fun. The Colby Bishop saga, two episodes at least. <laughs> just the absolute state considering we don't actually want to even have these monthly Q&As now they won't even answer a few questions that are submitted and they can choose which ones to answer I can't see them getting the Amazon film crew in to uh, to record a documentary can you <laughs> alright thanks to everyone who messaged in sorry to anyone I haven't got to because I read through them and tried to pick out the ones that were sort of not repeating ourselves as well. So this is kind of listenable at the same time as sort of getting to as many people as I can. So I'll try and remember to get to you. Apologies if I didn't last this time. So yesterday we recorded an a interview with David Earl. He hosts the My New Football Club podcast, which is an Exeter City podcast. He's also an actor. He's done several things with Ricky Gervais in various shows like Derek. And he informed me quite quite nicely. He's a big fan of the show. And he was involved in this part of the podcast because we recorded it yesterday, as I mentioned earlier on. But just to remind you, we did that part and waited another day to do this part of the podcast on the hope that a new manager was announced. And at the moment, it looks like a head coach is going to be formally announced, but it's been agreed verbally. Here's our interview with David Earl to preview the Exeter game. All right, I'm here with David, actor and podcaster, been in the shows like Afterlife and Derek, as well as the host of the Gossip Mongers podcast. And of course, what we're here to talk about today, my new football club podcast. And David, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me on. Thank you very much. No, it's great to have you on. And it's also always great when a, a new team gets promoted to the league. I don't, what are we going to do, boys, in the in the future? You know, it's 2035 and uh, we have to go and reach out to podcasts that aren't League One based. I was going to say, God knows. I mean, are there enough League Two podcasts? I think there must be a few. There must There's be a few teams nowadays. By twenty thirty-five, oh, yeah. all the other teams will have sort of gone up and down a few times. So uh, we'll just be doing the same podcasts. They'll just have had quite exciting times away from League One. Yeah, while we've stagnated. Yeah. Having said that, lads, one win in fifteen. Who's to say we'll be in League One? Exactly. We could be looking. We're looking down at the moment, David, rather than up at this second in time. So just to start us off on the talk about about you guys how are extra fans feeling at this moment in time on the progress obviously you're doing you're doing pretty well in the, in the table in the league are you doing better than fans expected or are you sort of whereabouts where you thought you'd be well i mean me personally i think we're going up but then i don't really know what i'm talking about whereas when i speak to fans that have followed the club for years they're like this is as good as it's ever got and um, they just want to stay in League One and cement themselves. Where well, I'm, I'm sort of bored of League One already. 
Is that bad? <laughs> why, why, why are you looking upwards? Welcome to the club, mate. Yeah. How long League One? Twenty-five games versus seven years. Yeah. Oh, have you been in League One for seven years? Well, it's May twenty seventeen, wasn't it? We won League this Two. Is, this is the sixth season. The sixth season. Okay, yeah, six years. I still remember think of Portsmouth as a a big club. Well, they are, but yeah. Welcome to a large proportion of our fan base. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean. Yeah, I, I, I've got, I've sort of been confident this season because the first season I started supporting Exeter, we went up. So this season I felt confident. But this Saturday, for some reason, going to Portsmouth, I think it's going to be hard work. But you've kind of given me a little bit more optimism. Don't well, give away you know, what we said before the recording started. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> David, what are you expecting from a Portsmouth side at Fratton Park without looking at any of our previous or recent games or pretending you haven't seen our form? What would you expect normally from Pompey away? Well, you know what you're doing. You've got some cracking players and you play us off the park just because you're history. But now I'm feeling like maybe you're shite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Took right. a minute, but we got there. We got to the reality of the situation. Hey? But I, you know, I was saying, I spoke to my co-presenter and he said, you've got like two or three really good players. Have we played each other already this season? Well, Boxing Day, nil nil draw. Um, oh, well, he said one of your players was really good and sort of ran the game. I don't know who that was. But I'm, I'm struggling to think as well. Andy, you're a mute, mate. Yeah, I imagine that you've taken that slightly out of context and he probably said only one of their players was really good. And he was actually <laughs> reinforcing the point that 10 of them were shite. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Right. We're feeling good on the pod this week. There's so much yeah. positivity around. Oh, shit. I mean, looking back to the Boxing Day game from from memory, it was fairly even. Jamal Blackman, from memory, was probably man of the match in that game by quite a was way. It? Right, um, yeah. He came in in the summer. What, what have you thought of his performances throughout the season? Yeah, good. I find him quite entertaining because he'll um, he won't dilly dally, but he'll sort. He's done a couple of Cruyff turns in the box, so I quite like it. Quite like that he does. He sort of reminds me of Fabian Bartes in a way, so it's sort of entertaining. Yeah, maybe he could be. We need a new keeper, don't we, boys? Unfortunately, it doesn't seem like we're going to spend any money on anyone, so we'll, we'll cross him off the list in that sense. But. So, so the season so far, you'll think about the club and the team. You think he maybe could go up. It's possible. You're five points behind Barnsley, although they have two games in hand at this moment in time. Again, really don't want Barnsley to go up due to my now ex-work colleagues who are all Barnsley fans giving me the, the stick after I gave the big one at the start of the season where they weren't looking too good. And now roles reversed. We are looking quite shocking in comparison. I was having a look at some of your players as well. Obviously, you got like Sam Nombe up front and stuff like that. Are extra fans expecting to keep hold of him in this transfer window, or are you expecting someone to come in with a bit of money and, and try and prize him away? Um, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I had a look on the forums last night. I have, like having a little nose, and they're talking about clubs getting uh, are interested in him. I got to tell you about. We've got this guy on loan from Newcastle. Flip it now, he's good. He made his debut on Saturday. He came on for 20 minutes and genuinely he was like, oh, right, this is another level. He's called Joe White. And I think he's just signed a three-year deal at Newcastle and he's really good. What, what sort of player is he? What position is he? He like? came on, he's sort of attacking midfielder. He just created loads of havoc as soon as he came on. He came on with Giovanni Brown, who's also had a really good season. Those two look sort of a 
step above everyone else. Yeah. With with Giovanni Brown, it's interesting. He doesn't always start, does he? he sort of he sort of comes on and maybe comes off of a Jay Stansfield or whatever. And yeah, um, is there a reason for him not starting at all, or is that just tactically it works better when the game breaks down? Um, maybe that. I, I think he was injured. I think he's been a bit injured the last. I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I mean, tactically, I I don't really know my onions, so I just nod whenever anyone talks tactics. But I think he has been injured. Um, but when those two came on, yeah, you got to keep your eye on those two. Yeah, and just looking at the at the rest of your team, it was a pretty boring nil nil draw when we played each other last and stuff. And your your players were fancy coming down to Fratton Park, I suppose. What do you think for the team generally is is going to be a good result? Are you expecting now to get all three points? Oh, we've got to get three now if we're. If we're being serious about the playoffs, we've got to have a good old run now. Um, but yeah, I'm sort of bored. I, I don't want a point. I don't want to. We've got a win now. We've got a five or six wins on the trot now. Do you think expectations of what a good result is have changed at the club because of the start of the season? Like you're, you're sitting tenth in the league. That's like from the outside. That's a very good position to be in as a newly promoted club. Have expectations shifted now? Do you think? I guess they have with the. You know, with all the old, older fans who've supported for years, they're just over the moon. And um, but now we are doing well. Yeah, I mean, even my co-presenter John, like he just wanted us to survive, and he thought we'd be down in the bottom four or five at the start of the season. And now he's talking about playoffs. I just think on our day, we're a really good side, and we just seem to play a lot better against the tougher opponents. I think it's when uh, opponents sit back that we struggle to maybe unlock teams' defences. But, um, yeah, I've only ever known as sort of doing well because I've only been there 18 months. So I'm just like, come on, let's win this. Get into the champs. Come on. When Exeter are at their best and they're playing well, how do they play in general? Uh, It's not a lot of hoofing. They sort of try and play football and play it from the back and... um, um, everyone's saying this is the best it's ever been and the, the football they play is the best it's ever been so um, yeah they definitely try and play good football um, yeah what about Portsmouth? Uh, well, well to start it started off fast direct counter-attacking and now it's all a bit wayward to be honest <laughs> why what's happened what's gone wrong it's so, the final third it's the final third that's the problem this was this was the issue, well, one of myriad issues against Bolton was the final third in that you get the ball in a promising position and there's not the confidence there to make the incisive pass and you end up just trying to keep possession and then you're up against two banks of four and they don't have the quality to break them down or yeah. five and a three. And it happened really frequently in that Bolton game where we'd have the ball, you know, you'd have like a, I don't know, a three on four or something, you know, not an incisive breakaway, but an opportunity and then instead of taking that risk to create a decent opportunity, you slow the game down and then suddenly Bolton have men back and there's not the quality there to break it down. I really right. think that's been the most noticeable thing for me recently amongst you know a few other issues in the last 15 games. But And then, yeah, it ends up just breaking down because they make individual errors at that point because they're League One players. And Are you feeling the tension now in the ground then? 
Oh, yeah, if we go a goal down, you're going to have a oh. lovely time. Oh, my word. Yeah. No, to, to be fair, actually, to be fair to the crowd, when we go a goal down, yeah. it's actually been a bit more, you know, well, a bit less toxic almost until the final whistle goes. And then you hear about it. If we're within one goal, the crowd will be well in the game. If we go a goal down, the crowd will be well in the game. But then half-time whistle, full-time whistle, you will hear about it. It's loud at the it moment. Dep- it depends on the performance as well. If it, if Portsmouth look nowhere near it, like against Charlton, even when it was one all, no. If it, but if it was more like Ipswich, even when we were leading when it was level, it was it was more supportive. But the crowd are a bit restless at this point for various reasons. <clears throat> Obviously, because right. we're still looking for the manager. No set start at start of play. No real starting eleven that you can bank on. It's 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 the frustrating thing that. Many believe that there are some good players in there, but not many of them are playing up to it, to be honest. Right. I think our problem as well is that confidence Andy was talking about. And at the start of the season, when Danny Cowley had us playing a bit better, what we're doing is playing a lot of balls in sort of like small wide triangles, working the ball quickly up the pitch, um, pressing teams high when when they lost the ball, for instance, so that they were sort of, you know, getting the ball back by on the press. And what's happened now is I think with that confidence that sunk, we've basically effectively um, those sort of like quick passes and that movement and that sort of intuition even to where to go and stuff like that. It's all just dried up a little bit now. So unfortunately, it's a situation where we're a, a rudderless team at this moment in time without any sort of direction, without a, a clear defined playing style. And and that's why we've literally got, I think, when was our last our last win? 80, 80, 90 days ago, something like that? Yeah, it was Forest Green, wasn't it? I have no idea how many days ago that was. They're not very good, are they? No, no that's, why, that's why we beat him, David. <laughs> that's what someone's a token win, really, isn't it? Rather than anything else, let's be honest. So, yeah, thing is, your players have got you, you lot on their backs, so they're going out on the pitch, going, Oh, bloody hell, they're gonna have a go at us if we muck it up, they're gonna have a go at us on their pod, <laughs> potentially. <laughs> potentially, um, yeah, well, it's, well, it's Freddie, it's Freddie they're worried about. Oh, of course they are, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he sits there looking all quiet. You think he's the safe one out of the three of us, but you get half a pint down him at the brewery. It's uh, People wouldn't believe what comes out of his mouth. Yeah. Freddie, Freddie actually started the you're not fit to wear the shirt chant at the back of the stand um, a few weeks ago. So uh, he's definitely the, the one to watch for, for yeah, that yeah. sort of thing. Isn't it, actually, yeah. Hugh, I, I heard Freddie was the one who threw that smoke bomb into the lower echelons of uh, Stadium of Light. I would I would be banned from football. You <laughs> would have been if you didn't if you didn't frame that guy in the Stone Island jacket and blame it on him. So luckily you managed to get away by there's using a, there's about eight thousand people in Stone Island jackets just in the fratten end. So it's quite easy. If you if you say it was someone in a Stone Island jacket, it doesn't narrow it down much. <laughs> exactly. Well, one thing about Exeter I wanted to know. Obviously, Matt Taylor, the, the previous manager, moved on to Rotherham, replaced by Gary Caldwell. Did many fans think the side would struggle with the managerial change? And what has it been like in general? Has the squad adjusted fairly well? Yeah, I think so. Um, well, I wrote a song for Matt Taylor when he left. I wrote a little R&B track and sent it to him. And uh, she was really pleased about Did Did you uh, hear back about that? Yeah, he just says, thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. But can, you no. sing, can, you sing, can you sing the song on, on the podcast or...? Uh, yeah, I could do. Your your listeners don't want to hear that. that <laughs> Freddie, Freddie's usually the one who's singing. <laughs> we'll put a link to it in the bio. Yeah, 
Well, I mean, Gary said that he, he doesn't want to change much, to be honest, that transition period. He just wants to keep it, you know. I think he's, from what he was saying, sort of looking forward to the pre-season, doing all the work then and bringing in his uh, ideas. But, um, yeah, I think everyone was worried because it had been quite stable for, for how, forever how long. I don't know how, how long might have been there. Around 2018, wasn't it? Yeah, possibly. I mean, I literally only just started supporting Exeter last year. So this is all new to me. And so he was all I knew. So he sodded off. I felt like I'd lost a, like a girlfriend. Where did you start supporting Exeter? Out of interest. I moved down to Devon and um, I just wanted to support a local side. And I was wondering, can I do this? Can I, infe- can I care about a football team? And uh, yeah, I've got a season ticket. I'm well, I'm on here. I'm on this podcast. Yeah, talking about them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, uh, randomly, I used to live in Exeter. Oh, did you? I did, yeah. Yeah, I grew up, I lived there until I was like 10 or so. Oh, so I've been to, I've been there a bit before. I used to live in Stoke Hill. I, I don't even know the place. I don't even know. <laughs> I sort of drive in and drive out. Whereabouts so you th- Have you been to the ground a few times then? I have as a kid even, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, my dad took me. He, I wasn't allowed to be uh, a fond of Exeter though, due to the kit colour. So it was more just a football day out. It was uh... right, right. <laughs> Let's go watch with the Exeter. Is there any rivalry there? No. Or is it Plymouth? Is it Plymouth? Southampton. Just yes. Southampton. Plymouth, Plymouth think they got a rivalry with us, don't they? Yeah, well, Dockyard Derby, lads. Dockyard Derby. Sky Sports made it up. I was a supporter on Sunday and he was kind of saying, yeah, there's a rivalry there, but maybe there isn't. It's not. <laughs> no. It's about, it's about, what, 200, 200, 250 miles difference between the cities? Yeah. It doesn't, That's yeah. what I thought, yeah. I think Sky Sports made it up so they could put it on television and call it the Dockyard Derby. So they oh, basically, right. they just basically made up the rivalry and then Plymouth fans jumped on it because it made them feel significant, you see, in life, you know? It's one of my three muted phrases on Twitter is Dockyard Derby. <laughs> I think I've still got Jacket Out muted. Uh, <laughs> and I can't think what the other one would be. Something about vaccines, I'd imagine it'll be people being anti-vax. <laughs> Does that mean all of Simon Bassey's comments are basically... All of Simon Bassey, all of Matt Letizia, which is, you know, quite a nice blessing. Never turns up on my timeline. It's great. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And Gareth Evans, Mrs., have I made that up? I feel like she's anti-vax. Yeah, she is as well. What a crew, honestly. (laughs) They should start a band together. Maybe David could help write the song for him. Yeah, happy to. (laughs) Yeah. All right, let's get into the nitty-gritty bit of the podcast. Um, David, I want to know what your score prediction, please, is for the game on Saturday and who's going to score any goal scorers. Honestly, I've just... Somebody's got a bad feeling about it. I think you're going to win 2-0. Yeah. It's your history. I just see them as the... I, I wish I had that optimism, David, to be honest. <laughs> I, do, I do. I just still see Portsmouth as a top-flight club. When I saw you where you were in the league, I was like, really? Yeah. I think... I don't want to... Yeah. I reckon you'll win 2-0. Wow. I mean, that's going to be the most positive thing we can... I said we bring some positivity. No, don't. I thought we were going to give some positivity here. And I, I said that before the start and everyone looked at me like, what the fuck are you on about, Hugh? And uh, there we go, 2-0. Well, yeah, David, it's been awesome. It's been uh, it's been awesome having you on the podcast. Um, I'm going to be on your show as well this weekend. Yeah, great. So, um, why don't you let people know where we can find it? 
huh. online. Like, you know. mm, where can you find it? Where you all the all the pl- uh, podcast platforms. It's my new football club, and uh, and then we we go live. We just started going live on a Sunday morning. Um, my new football club on YouTube. Uh, so you're coming onto that, yeah? Yeah. Do I need to I'll wear? Sing to you. I'll sing to you on Sunday morning if you want. Yeah, do I, oh, yeah, I like that. Do I, have, do I have to wear something nice then if it's going live on YouTube rather than sitting around in my battered-up hoodie? Do I, is no, it, is no. It look, be there? No, it looked like a pile of shit. I'm more than happy. Good. Yeah. Well, I got my hair cut just in case. But Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, David, mate, it's been awesome having the podcast and I will speak to you on Sunday. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Good luck. Cheers, mate. We need it. Cheers, Cheers David. Thank Bye. you. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Steve, for coming on the podcast. Two nil, boys. We will take the two nil and run if that's to happen. But it's interesting, isn't it? Exeter are playing really good football in comparison to us. Although the nil nil draw, Andy, it, it didn't scream confident, did it? No, it didn't. Their keeper had a very good game in that in that Boxing Day match. So, I mean, you wouldn't say that we played spectacularly well, but we did create quite a decent number of chances. Um, having said that, their, cup, their keeper made a couple of interesting errors as well that didn't get punished for. He did seem to be, like, like we heard there, sort of Fabian Barthez style, sublime to the ridiculous very, very quickly. So you'd hope if we get you know shots on target and some high balls in, there's a couple of those less good Barthez moments in him and we can take advantage. But I mean, it's difficult to sit here after one one league win in 15, no goals from open play in seven league matches or whatever it is and go, yeah, 3-0 win. It's, it's very difficult, isn't it? But um, yeah, you'd, you'd say based on the Boxing Day game, it's winnable if they turn up. Since then, they've been pretty good though, haven't they? One loss in five. I was looking at on the <clears throat> on their form. They drew at Forest Green, so you know, make what you will of that. But generally, they're looking pretty tasty. And Freddie, they've got a striker who can score up front. In fact, they've got a couple of dangerous threats up front, haven't they? Something that Pompey could be pining for, maybe. Yeah, they've got several threats, haven't they? Giovanni Brown and Sam Nombe have been playing not as much of a partnership in recent times at the beginning, but they're both really solid strikers, the pair of them. And Jay, uh, Jay Stansfield as well. When he, whenever he comes on, he's a very high pressing forward. I, think, I believe he's got four goals in his short stint. He's also a very good player. And they seem to live with whoever plays at Cam. They seem to chop and change whoever plays in the number ten role in their three four one two formation. And it just seems like that front three can cause Pompey a lot of problems, while also being fairly fairly defensive. They got a high. The team overall has got a high dribbling rate with averaging 26.94 dribbles per 90, which is third in the league. So they're going to go out Pompey's defence that way. And considering how Morrison and Raggett often step up in terms of when strikers are dribbling at them, that worries me a lot. And I think they've just got too many attacking threats for Pompey to deal with, even if they even if they do, like David said, even if Pompey sit back a fair bit, I think it would take they would take away too much from the small amount of creativity they have to sit back too much so I'm not seeing I'm not having a lot of positives to be honest Do you think it's going to be different than playing them at home in that sense the, the expectation to come out and play Andy or do you think it's going to be more of the same in the way that two teams approach it Yeah that's, that's a very fair point uh, in terms of how they're going to line up I think at their place 
they were probably targeting three points against us with the run we've been on and we're on at that point. Whereas coming to Portsmouth, I mean, you if you're in the bottom half of the table, you probably look at Fratton Park on paper and go, yeah, take a point from that. And I think under normal circumstances, they would. But it's very difficult to say that we're not, maybe not there for the taking, but we are eminently beatable at the moment. So I'm hopeful they come and play a nice, open, attacking style of football, leaving lots of nice spaces at the back that we can exploit with some fast, attacking, intricate, one-touch triangle play, as we've seen so much of in the last couple of months. That's uh, that's my prediction and my optimism, and uh, I'm not even drinking. I'm pretty sure I just saw Freddie's pepper Pig teddy bear fly through the air there when you said that about playing fast, intricate football. That's <laughs> so niche. What? <laughs> so pigs are flying, Fred. Pigs are flying. All right. You know, or a plane with a banner, either or. <laughs> a plane with a banner. It seems to be more sort of topical right now of what's going on. Seems to be a bit more likely, doesn't it? <laughs> um, you know, hopefully they'll come and, and set their stall out to attack a bit. And uh, I just don't feel like we've got the quality to break down, as I said a minute ago on the on the interview. I don't think we've got the quality to break down two banks of four that are just sitting in at the moment. So if they don't come and try and get something from it, I think we'll struggle. Or if it turns into a flat back seven, because if they play a three at the back formation, they could just set the three centre-halves back, put the other two midfielders back and the wing backs, just leave the front three, just counter attack. They could easily do that if they wanted to. The flat back seven is underutilised in modern football, IMO. Have Pompey considered playing the flat back seven? I reckon that could be something we could do to try and get some nil-nil draws and just try and go for the one-nil. Oh, I was going to say from a set piece, but, you know, we're not really great at those either, are we? It wouldn't work because we'd play a flat back six and then Raggett would hang around in the six-yard box playing everybody on side. <laughs> so it wouldn't have any impact at all. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, we could, at this moment in time, anything's worth a go, isn't it? The Christmas tree? You know, just get get something like that going in formations. <laughs> All right, this is enough of this. We've been going on. I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this up, boys. Andy, I want to know your score prediction, please. Whilst you are peeling an apple or something, is that right? An orange? Potatoes. I was potatoes. doing I was peeling potatoes that entire interview, that, um, which I don't know if it makes it better or worse. Probably worse. I'm <laughs> 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 so professional, aren't we? <laughs> um, genuine prediction: one or draw. I don't think we'll win the game, and it's very difficult to blindly optimistically predict a, a nice win so I very much hope that David is right however having watched us play recently I'm going to go one all. Freddie Webb 2-0 uh, extra Giovanni Brown brace it's going to get worse so Hugh we've got a draw and an extra to win are you going to complete the full set of results or what do we think 4-0 Pompit no I'm going to go with a I'm going to say we break our, our goal-scoring glut in this game. In fact, that's even a phrase. But I think we are going to go with a 2-1 extra win with a late consolation goal at the end when they sort of just take the foot off the gas because they just think this lot of rubbish. Genuinely, to... lads, when was the last time we played a League One team and not one of us predicted, even optimistically, a Pompey win? I'm going to say it's been a while. It's been a long time. Hopefully that's just completely jinxed the result and we uh, we get a, a nice easy win. Oh, but well, I hope, I hope, I hope hey? I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong by miles. But... 
well, you, of course you hope you're wrong, Freddie, but unfortunately at the moment, you're looking more right as it goes along with your prediction at the start of the season. Do you think eighth is now too optimistic? Was it ninth? Uh, what, ninth? Uh, yeah, ninth might be too optimistic now. It might be 15th for this rate, unfortunately, but hopefully some things will change over the next few days and after Saturday. <laughs> Could I just like highlight as well, Freddie mentioned his, uh, his prediction of ninth there. Can we just revisit how much grief we were giving him for being pessimistic when we were top of the league? Like, oh, Fred, you're such an idiot. What are you talking about? To be fair, it, it felt stupid at the time. And I think, not, not the fact that he was taking the piss, but my prediction felt stupid at the time because of how well we were playing. And it just goes to show of how, almost how ridiculous it seems that this club has that seems fallen off a cliff as far as it has. Because you've gone from a defined style of play with sort of a starting 11 that you rated, with a formational setup that seemed to work, to having none of those things whatsoever. It's quite a feat, actually. Yeah. And on that note, until next time, play out Pompey. Oh, Andy, it's been great having you on the podcast. Thanks a lot, Bunch. Yeah, I really feel like we uh, we smashed this one. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, thank you, mate. Always a pleasure. Looking forward to seeing you bright and early Saturday. Same to you, Freddie Webb. Are you in Newcastle this weekend? Uh, I will be in Newcastle this weekend. It's an old friend of mine's birthday. I haven't seen him for nearly a year. So is that Tom? Kevin. So we're gonna see him. Ah, Tom Away Tom Day Bobby legend. There. Tom Away Day legend in London. Yeah. <laughs> we had some a lot of fun time in Newcastle with those boys. So enjoy it, Freddie. And I hope you took Monday off and no one from the news is listening. Uh, you are gonna be I haven't took Monday off back at back at work on Monday and it's gonna be a long train journey home on the Sunday. It's gonna be a working from home day, surely, Fred, because uh I know what kind of state you're gonna get in. But until next time. You have been listening to the PO Forecast for Pompey News Now. Available on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO Forecast and Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle!